Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment in the Chicago area. I'm Jeremy Kahneman from Brain Bash Trivia, also in the Chicago area. I'm Jeff from RMT Trivia, also in the Chicagoland area. And I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment, also in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> okay, so we, we need to fire our booking agent because there are four people <laughs> whose first names begin with J that all work for companies in the Chicago area. And to boot, we have two Jeremys on this episode. What the hell, booking agent? Just well, to keep I mean, you yeah. on your toes. Oh, Christ. Um, we should take a moment and and give uh, the floor to our new voice, if you didn't hear him earlier. Uh, guys, we do have a special guest on this episode, as he mentioned from Brain Bash Trivia. We have the delightful Jeremy Conman. Jeremy, do you want to take a minute or two and tell the people who you are, where you're from, and, of course, your third favorite Zodiac sign? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, Harry Anderson on Night Court. Uh, I don't know how many Night Court fans are out there, but there was an episode where they talked about how he became a judge. And basically there was a list of people that the guy that was calling to uh, make a judge and nobody was home. Then Harry was home. And he's like, basically I was home. And that's how I got on this <laughs> podcast is basically I was home. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's good to be here. It's always good to be wanted. And uh, like I said, I run a little company called Brain Bash Trivia. Uh, used to do live trivia back in the days when that was a thing in bars all over the area, mostly in the city, but every now and then. Uh, suburban location or two. Uh, just started going back into a few bars, doing some live stuff. It's been uh, hit or miss there, but I've been streaming online, Brain Brass Trivia on Facebook, and uh, just kind of finding my way in this new world, as I'm sure all the trivia people out there have been like yourselves. Uh, I know Liquid Courage has been, you know, for a while there, I was probably the busiest guy, I think, in the community. I was doing at least one, if not two, and sometimes three shows a day when this started in March, April, and May. And lately, I've, I've kind of stepped back and, and slowed down a bit. And I know Liquid Courage is basically plowed on, and I think you guys might be, uh, in terms of personnel to number of shows, I think you guys do more work than any other company in the country at the moment. So, uh, you know, you got guys like Geeks Who Drink and Sporkle and the big national guys that you know, have a hundred people that can host a show in a night. So it's not that impressive when they have five shows going on in a night, but, uh, say, so I think Jason's probably about to, he, he needs to be careful about burnout too. It can happen. I mean, I, I think I'm going to get back into doing regular game. I'm going to try and do games all this week. And then I'm going to take a little road girlfriend and I have a uh, somewhere and away from people and see nature. And, uh, that come back, I think, once September hits and start trying to do every day again or close to it. Um, since the weather got warmer, I, you know, I found myself not wanting to be cooped into my small little garden unit apartment, wanting to get out and see some some nature, see, you know, even if it's got to be socially distant and uh, go on, go to forest reserves and state and nature walks and uh just don't have time to be sitting at home in front of the computer putting together games like I used to. <laughs> I hear you. I know um, at least a little bit Jason has gone um, back catalog a little bit to kind of like piece shows together as to not have to write um, so many questions Yeah. Because, because he does do seven shows a week. Um, yeah. And I'm filling in for him a little bit right now because he's having some tech issues. So, uh, but basically, yeah, he's literally he he 
streams seven day, seven nights a week. On Friday, or on Saturdays and Sundays, he streams twice. And he's got kids too, right? Yeah, he's got two kids, a wife, family. But um, yeah. trivia is his. Uh, I mean that that's his job, like trivia and karaoke. And there are no bars, so he basically yeah. transitioned to how do I make a living online right now? Sure. Um, and, and I mean, as you saw, like I said, I remember when you were doing three or four shows a day because I played a few of them. Yeah. And that was. Yeah, I'm like, how do you have time too, for this? But- it was it was it was i mean like literally it was all i was doing was you know you wake up you write trivia you get done writing you you grab something to eat and then you stream a game and take a, another little break maybe you know uh you got the uh the fitbits or whatever like i would have days when i would have less than 100 steps right uh which <laughs> is i mean i mean cuz i'm i'm in a small garden unit two bedroom apartment i i don't i don't have to more than 10 steps to get from one end of my apartment to the other uh and it just like it was it was driving me insane so you know today i I drove up to rockford with my girlfriend and we we walked around uh, a state park for a couple hours saw some wildlife and some nature and uh you know uh, rock valley uh was it rock cut i think that's right rock cut yeah. Wait, Jeremy, are you telling me that there is a world outside my basement right now? Indeed, <laughs> confirming that for you. And I'll tell you what, it's 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 actually actually a very beautiful world. I mean, there is a uh, a lot of a lot of stuff you can do where you don't have to be around other people, and you can you can enjoy uh, the outdoors and nature and and just you know you gotta you gotta invest in it heavily in bug spray. And uh, it may take you an hour or so to drive out, but uh, uh, like I said, we drove out on Friday to Achusa, N-A-C-H-U-S-A, uh, Prairie. It's out near Dixon, Illinois, by DeKalb, and they've got a herd of wild buffalo that, you know, we got to watch roam around. And it's, you know, kind of neat to just be a couple hours outside of Chicago and like, oh, my God, there's a herd of like 50 wild buffalo just roaming around a field (laughs) well interestingly enough we are going to be talking a little bit more about nature uh a little bit later in this episode before we get into that though i wanted you to touch on something that you were involved with over this past weekend uh and that was trivia palooza yeah yeah it was a lot of fun um lynn Yu, who runs trivia la uh trivia la is a company that's been around for almost two years now uh they launched their first show in uh, January of 2019, I happened to be in LA the day of their first show, and I actually went to it. And that's how I met Lynn. And she was right off the bat. I was like, okay, she writes good questions, and she's really uh, smart and you know, good host and everything. And so we became fast friends, and we, we've chatted uh, quite a bit, bit since then. She had this goal to get on Jeopardy, uh, which she achieved this year. She taped Jeopardy, was on Jeopardy. Uh, it was actually aired the uh, Friday before Geek Bowl. So that was, uh, we had a viewing party yeah. for Jeopardy episode as well at the Trivia Triathlon that I took part in at Geek Bowl. And then she came up with the idea of doing this Trivia Palooza. Uh, and she got me and two other trivia companies, one from uh, Canada, the Ottawa Trivia League, and then Gentleman Octopus from the Tampa area run by the Sizemore Brothers. And teams could, it was free to play, you know, if teams want to, Leave a gratuity or a tip. It was much appreciated. Several did, and, uh, you know, but it was four trivia games and each of our four formats 
uh, and we took about an hour, 30 minutes to an hour and a half in between each game, uh, each game, 90 minutes to two hours. And then, uh, each game was worth 50 points. And we had about, I think 50 or 60 teams, maybe played all four games, at least a portion of all four games. So it was, Damn, it was not fun. Bad. Yeah. And, uh, both Lynn and I did uh, huge meta themes. So it was like, we had themes to each round and then the themes for each round tied together to form an overarching theme for the game. Uh, oh, the puzzle nerd in me loves the idea of that. <laughs> One of these days, if I get my gumption up, I will be creative and good at this, Jeremy. Thanks for the, uh, there, there, yeah. <laughs> thanks for the foot in the ass that gets me to do my job better. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, they're, 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 they're a pain in the ass to write, but if you do it well, uh, they're really fun. I think to play, uh, you know, and, and sometimes you have to make tenuous connections. Although don't, 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 don't kick yourself. I've only played your game live once, but I've told you before, it is one of the, uh, more creative and entertaining live trivia games I've ever played. I think, uh, eventually created a game show that you bring into bars and, and, and people have fun with. Like I, I love the Scrooby cards and the, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just thought that was great. I mean, I consider that high praise and I thank you for it. But uh, I, I didn't bring you on to blow smoke up my ass. That's why I bring Jeremy on for what it's worth. <laughs> um, so wrong, Jeremy. Uh, wrong, Jeremy. Ron, Jeremy. There, there's a connection. There, there's an episode title in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, on that note, gentlemen, are you ready to get into what uh, my Jeremy teased a little bit earlier is our roundtable discussion for the night? Yes, very much think so well let's do it um as trivia hosts we all know that the genre the milieu the the umbrella that constitutes science and nature is pretty decent trivia fodder uh you can always pull a bunch of different types of questions out of that general uh topic and i want to just kind of open the conversation about writing questions in the categories of science and nature by asking you guys what what does science and nature as a trivia writer as a topic mean to you when you're approaching the subject. So, uh, Jeff, what does science and nature mean? Um, (laughs) well, mine is really an umbrella term that I use to define anything. I mean, obviously anything science or nature related. So anything literally about, uh, chemical elements or animals or anything like that, of course, fall into that category. But I also include things uh, like technology, computing. Um, Sometimes I'll also uh, talk a little bit about uh, math. And sometimes I'll throw anatomy and physiology kind of into that as well, Mm -hmm. because that's that's obviously a branch of science. But, uh, you know, like so health questions and stuff kind of go into that. So when I break down my trivia game and I say, okay, for these two rounds, I need one science and nature question. Uh, if I have anything that fits any of those categories, that's the hole that I place it in. So, you know, if I, um, you know, I was like, oh, I just read a, something about a phlebotomist. So I'm going to write a question about the the job title of people who draw blood. And that's a science and nature question for this week. And then I don't have to worry about that one anymore. Um, so it's, okay. it's, it's a little bit tenuous because... Um, it's kind of like when you write, you know, I'm talking about a different category here, but when you write sports questions, do you put table games into those categories? You know, sports is a pretty wide category and it's the same thing with science. There's a lot of stuff that fits underneath that larger umbrella for me. I don't know if you guys are a little more strict about what you 
include in your science categories or not? No, to me, what you said about hitting, you know, the the hard sciences, uh, nature, anatomy, physiology, technology, math, that kind of stuff, that that rings pretty true to me. Um, you said that you have certain pigeonholes in your live games and, and your streams that you try to stick the occasional science and nature question and just kind of make sure the base is covered. Uh, most of you have seen our format at this point with Liquid Courage, where we do a whole round on geography and science, and that's a 10-question round, half of which is dedicated to science and nature. So we are uh, we're, we're on the, the docket, as it were, for five of those questions every week. So going in and trying to figure out what to write, it's usually, can I think of a neat science-y thing? Cool. That's the first question. Can I think of a different <laughs> vein science-y thing? No? Well, then I'm going to start Googling, you know, sciences and realize, oh, I haven't done like a meteorology question in a good long time. Might as well do that. Or, you know, sometimes I'll just straight up pigeonhole things into science somehow. Um, you know, math shows up in my games because I love math. And while it is not strictly speaking science, it's the closest thing to science that isn't. So that's where it kind of lives in my games. And Jeremy, uh, my Jeremy, that obviously is the the backbone of how you write as well. But do you want to go into that a little bit further about how you fill those gaps and what you consider to be fair game for a science and nature topic? I think I kind of fit in with the same way you guys do. Um, when I'm looking at it, I, I find uh, some, maybe something interesting I heard recently uh, to throw into a question or two. Um, definitely math falls under there for me. Uh, I will usually ask a math type question if I can. Um, Otherwise, yeah, I, I have fun. I do this one thing uh, that my teams seem to really like uh, that I try to throw into at least every other show uh, when I was doing live, and that is uh, give them a clue that uh, leads them to chemical elements, and those chemical elements will spell out something using their chemical symbols. Ah, periodic oh, okay. spelling. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that shows spelling. up in a bunch of different places all the time. Uh, Jeremy Kahneman, talk to us about how you uh, decide how much, how little, and what type of science and nature subjects that you throw into a given game. Well, you know, my games are generally a lot more pop culture driven, but I do occasionally throw some science uh, and nature in there. Uh, if I do, I, I, you know, well, one of the things with my games, if uh, people have never played before, I generally, uh, everything is run through PowerPoint, and on each question slide, there's also a picture that goes with the question. So the picture is kind of a clue to the answer, um, and, you know, that way, if you know nothing about the subject matter, if I ask you a sports question like, you know, what man won three Super Bowl MVP, was the you know first player to win three Super Bowl MVP awards, like, I, I hate the NFL, I never watch football. Uh, I'm going to put a picture of Miley Cyrus up there, and Miley Cyrus played Hannah Montana. The answer is Joe Montana, right? So I do the same thing oh, okay. with the science and nature question where, okay, well, I don't know anything about science. So, you know, like let's say I ask, if you were to analyze uh, all the elements on the periodic table in alphabetical order by chemical symbol, actinium, AC, would be uh, first. And what? element would appropriately be second if you were to uh, alphabetize them by chemical symbol and so you know i try and throw in there and i throw in would appropriately be second because that's mm -hmm. kind of a the penny a just dropped for me on that one yeah and and yeah and then i i'm going to throw uh, a picture clue in there and it might be from the uh second fantastic four film which you may remember uh lawrence fishburne had a role in i don't know if you know what the role he played was 
Anybody? No. Was he? No. Did he do the Lawrence voice of the Silver Surf, Surfer? It was, I believe he was the voice of the Silver Surfer. I think. No kidding. I'm pretty, pretty positive you know, it was Lawrence. Probably right because, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, crap. Really Doug good character Jones. actor. Doug yeah, Doug Jones. Jones. Doug Jones, thank you, who uh, actually plays the Silver Surfer, doesn't do a lot of voice roles. He usually is talked no. over in some stuff. Um, I think I think the other side is uh, Hellboy. I think he did, and I believe he did in limited role in that um, the Shape of Water. Yeah, ah, that makes he sense. He was the creature. Um, but you know, so so the answer to that question is silver, which the chemical symbol is AG, be the second alphabetically, right? And mm. of course, silver being second is appropriate. Silver metal. So you know, I want people to have multiple angles me to get the answer now that's not always possible with every question but um you know it is and i like uh i i'm a competitive or was a competitive scrabble player so i I love doing wordplay with questions Mm -hmm. so like one of my all-time favorite trivia questions is what's the only element on the periodic table whose name contains none of the letters in the word element so it's the only element name you can spell that doesn't have an e l m n or t or in it and you know be right back i am throwing out a question from the uh later portion of the game (laughs) (laughs) Um, i mean it's that no that question is pure gold jeremy you should be proud of it right yeah it's it's one of the best questions i've ever seen um you know i've seen others ask it too because a question that good is going to get thought of and asked by other people but, it, you know, the, the best part about that question is it's not some obscure, rare element. It's an element that almost anybody that's familiar with that heard of. And the other real interesting thing about it is it's not a short element. You would think, okay, it's going to be like a three or four letter element because it doesn't have a lot of letters. It's not going to have, but, you know, you people start thinking, they're like, tin, no, that is a T and an N, you know, like, and you just can't, gold has an L. Um, and it's, uh, for those that are listening and want to know, the element is phosphorus. So, you know, it's one of the first Ooh, 20 elements. Yeah. It's a long name, um, but it's a it's a fun trivia fact. So, uh, a periodic table is something that I do ask about a lot. Uh, that's kind of a trivia goldmine. Uh, I will say this, by the way, uh, n- not just things I do like to ask about, but here's one thing I don't like to ask about, and I don't like when other trivia hosts do it, and I apologize in advance if I'm going to offend any of you. Uh, animal collective names is kind of a <laughs> bullshit. Name. It's not. It's not really a thing, right? Like it's somebody with too much time has made up a bunch of names. Now, some of them are very commonplace, like a pride of lions, a pot of whales. You know, like a parliament of owls, a murder of crows. There are a few that are so well known now that it's kind of fair game. But there are there are some, you know, where like. Uh, a, a group of cheetahs is a coalition of cheetahs. You know, like, yeah. n- no, I mean, first a of all, a group of jellyfish don't... is a smack. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, there's a lot a of group weird of ones. Zebras, a group of zebras, there's like four or five different names for but one of them is a dazzle of zebras. <laughs> you know, um, there, there's, uh, but there's, and that's the thing is there's no, I don't know, There, it, it, I don't like questions like that. Uh, although I do like animal questions. I think those are fun. And I think there's, um, you know, I, I played in a, uh, a trivia tournament last year, you know, before COVID. Uh, and uh, they, the, the protuberances, 
I messed that word up. The nubbins. Uh, on a giraffe's head are called. The little horns on a giraffe's head. What's the name for those? <laughs> nubbins. Exactly. What's the actual <laughs> name, though? Not nubbin. Um, and, you know, I I blanked on it. And I couldn't. And I love giraffes. I've been to Africa. I've seen them in the wild. It's a, They're beautiful, amazing creatures. And I couldn't think of the name of it. Um, but I, I did like the, and then, you know, once they said the answer, I said, ah, yeah, that's it. But I came back and I said, yeah, I like that question, but I'm going to flip it around. I'm going to say Asacone is a protuberance found on the head of two specific types of animals, name either Mm -hmm. one of them. And maybe for a bonus point, give me the second. And, you know, I've had a lot of people that were able to come up with giraffe when I've asked that question. The second one is, is a, it's the animal that is the closest living relative, but is a much less known, much, you know, not not as well known. I uh, can't talk; it's late. But an animal that is not as well known, and it's the okapi, you know. So because the okapi is kind of, of like course, the, the smorgasbord of the uh, African savanna. Yeah, anyway. it's like yes, part yeah, because it looks part like deer, s- part zebra, part giraffe. Apparently, it's that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, it was just a weird, weird, weird orgy one night in the seventies with drugs, and it just happened. Yeah. So yeah, besides. Yeah. Besides periodic table, besides animal collective names, what are some other go-tos that you guys either yourselves oh, go to animal, or see? Animal collective names is not a go-to. It's the well, I should of say. A it's a well for you. Go-to. It's a go-to, but it's but it's common trivia fodder for sure. I mean, I agree it's with you. Bad I, trivia fodder. I I agree with you. I stick away from the really weird ones unless I'm using it as a backdoor to some other topic right. or I'm backdooring itself. Uh, but like for uh, like last week, actually, I did an audio round where the uh, one of the themes, the hidden theme was animal collective names. But they were all the ones that are trivia, uh, well-known trivia ones like a Pride of Lions, a Parliament of Owls. I used Parliament Funkadelic. Hmm. Um, I used uh, Army for Army of Ants and Army Frogs, Army of Me by Bjork, you know, so, you know, ones that aren't. And then uh, Crash of Rhinos, like because those are those are normal you know, ones that everybody's heard, none of them are crazy, obscure, or some poetic nonsense. Can we acknowledge that there is a fictional name for a group of fictional animals that people know in the trivia space? Like a blessing of unicorns. A blessing of unicorns. Is information we all have at this point in our lives, and it's the most useless, unnecessary information in the world. Well, and that just shows you how bullshit a category it is, right? (laughs) There is no such thing as a blessing of unicorns. There can't be. There's no such thing as a (laughs) unicorn, right? (laughs) And that's the same other animal collectives. They're they're not signed. It's kind of like, and this is less less so. It's a little bit the most scale of hardness, right? Is kind of a very outdated thing that you know. I, I think it's fair trivia game, but a lot of people in the trivia community don't like it. Um, but it, it's it's something that if you know if you grew up when I did and you took geology, you learned it. I think nowadays they don't really teach it because it really is kind of outdated and and not really useful so it's it's not great trivia but you know if you need something or if you need to like it's you something you, you can backdoor, fall back on yeah if you need to backdoor something in you can do it um no it's just not a well i think animal collectives in the most scale of hardness there are much better ways to ask trivia questions mm. than falling back on those two if you ask me but i like uh i i tend to use um if I'm ever struggling to find something, I like finding a maybe not an obscure study or what I call ologies. 
You know what I mean? Like just yeah. a, a specific science or a specific, um, a specific study of a specific animal or something like that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, say, this is the study of what, and maybe give a hint. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. At that point, right? it's yeah. not even really science. It's more etymology. And I love me yeah. some etymology and that's, it's a real easy way to fill science and nature category content with stuff that's fair game, uh, you know, that's potentially parse outable if people have a pretty good grasp yeah. of vocabulary and, and language origins and everything. Um, and it gets you you backdoors into anatomy, physiology, biology yep. in general, uh, even like stuff like astronomy. You can kind of work that way if you know your Greek pretty well. Uh, I also do um, uh, units of measure, you know, because that's. Uh, it, it's not necessarily quote unquote science, but that's generally the classes where you learn the different units of measure for, you know, force or uh, pressure or, you know, so it, any of the ones that we have. Um, those know, are always I learned good. feet and meters both in literature. So I don't know what schooling <laughs> you had. Well, I, I think that um, asking somebody like what, what part of a common equation is missing or uh, what is the, mm -hmm. uh, if it's an odd imperial unit, like um, for, for people in America, uh, stone is not a common uh, unit of weight as it is in the UK. I mean, a lot of trivia players know that a stone is 14 pounds, but you know, it's harder to do math. If you ask them to do something, tell me the answer in stones, like just a, tweak them out a little extra like if something's a little too easy i'll say oh give me give me the answer to this in you know some other format or like there, there's a lot of different stuff that you could do to bring in different directionality to your science and nature questions like jeremy was saying before you can get a pop culture angle on it um although i will say jeremy uh i do the opposite of you where you give picture clues i give um I do pretty pictures on mine uh, or quote unquote pretty pictures. So like if it's a sports question, I'll put a picture of not that athlete up. I don't give them a clue with the picture. All of the clues are in the words. But when I do my science questions, I use a lot of stock photos of uh, a good mix of different genders and races of people looking at test tubes full of things <laughs> or looking into microscopes because that's what scientists do. That's only so what scientists do. Yeah. They're yeah, just staring it. at test tubes 24 yeah. seven. <laughs> it's like that meme that went, uh, this is what I do. What people think I do. This is what I actually do. This is right. what yeah. I think. I, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so when, when you guys are writing trivia for, for science, um, how do you guys approach the way that you present the topic. I'm not talking about like the clues that you have. I'm talking about um, how academic do you go? How hard in the paint towards an academic oh, question? Okay. Do you use more layman's it terms? On the, it depends on the audience you're writing for. You know, are you writing for a typical bar crowd? Are you more yeah, uh, I guess a that's trivia true. nationals crowd, a geek bowl crowd? Are you writing for an academic bowl, quiz bowl type crowd? Um, yeah. You know, it, the audience should dictate that. Uh, but you know, I, I try and stay away from a lot of academia. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll sprinkle some in here or there. I just think that if you're doing bar trivia, um, the people that are going to come out and drink and have fun uh, aren't doing it because they're, uh, you know, looking to get PhD in science. Yeah. I See, actually... you say that, Jeremy, but for several <laughs> years at one of my locations, and this is out in Aurora, Illinois, for anybody who's geographically aware, I had a couple teams that were cutthroat 
at my trivia shows every week. And I found out about a month in, it's because they were in like competing labs at Fermilab. Well, yeah, but you're doing a show where you're in that area and it's still only a couple of teams. True, right? true. No, that's, oh. that's fair. But I've never felt dumber at science than I've tried to explain things and explain them apparently poorly in my quick 10 minutes worth of research on the subject to somebody who, you know, got their PhD in that field. <laughs> I have had some very nitpicky kind of comebacks and and questions about clarifying specific terms that I never thought would ever need clarifying in a general <laughs> context, man. Uh, Excuse me, sir, nerds. I don't understand what you're saying. I wrote, I wrote my dissertation on this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you used weight when I'm pretty sure you mean force and it matters. And like, how does, oh, God damn it, it does matter. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, it's funny, you know, I wrote a game, this is going back almost two years now. Uh, it was for a big tournament I did. And I, I, one of the th rounds I always do in my games is I do a mystery theme round, right? So all the answers tie together and have a theme to them. And you have to figure out the theme. You get some bonus points. So for this one, I thought this was the finals of this big tournament for the mystery game. I took 10 of the teams that were in the tournament, and I took their team names. And, you know, a lot of people, their team names are always references to pop culture and so like i had one team that was called giggity uh because uh you know the guy on family guy and another team that was mm. uh called uh battle for hoth or whatever uh because empire strikes back <laughs> so i asked a question where the answer was asked the question where the answer was um you know uh empire strikes back I had another team in the league that was their team name was molecular orbital theory. I was like, well, boy, how do I get molecular orbital, uh, molecular orbital theory reference <laughs> in there? Right. Um, and so molecular orbital theory is a theory that was developed by an American physicist and chemist. chemist. His name is Robert Mulliken, M-L-I-K-E-N. So mm. he won a Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1966. I thought, well, the only way I can get an accessible question, something that a normal person has a chance to answer, is to say, Robert Mulliken was, was an American uh, who won a Nobel Prize in what category in 1966? And I was like, you know what? Because, listen, even if you don't know who he is, you have no idea. All you have to do is name one of the prizes in the Nobel Prize category. And I think I even said in it, it was a category other than peace. Like he didn't win the Nobel Peace <laughs> Right. But he won it. So as long as you know, okay, physics, chemistry, medicine, you know, economics, whatever, like, okay, it's got to be one of those. You got a 25% chance. Oh, so, and again, my questions are on slides, right? Right. And so uh, the U and the I key are right next to each other on a keyboard, and I'm not a good typer. So I wrote uh, Robert won a Nobel Prize in what category? And I did say in 1966. Mm -hmm. So the answer was chemistry. I had one team said physics. And when I gave the answers, he came up to me and said, no, Robert Milliken won a Nobel Prize in physics. I was like, no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, so, shit. So, so here's the deal. <laughs> there is a scientist named Robert oh, Milliken, M-I-L-L-I-K-A-N, he won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1923. And that's in, I was like, I mean, this guy had done his PhD in physics 
And he's like, right. Robert Milliken won a Nobel Prize. And, and I had spelled it Milliken, not Mulliken. But I'd spelled it with an E-N at the end, not an A-N. And I did specify 1966. So I felt bad for the guy. At the same time, I was like, well, all right, I'm going to give you credit for the answer. But this definitely is the answer. And I had enough information in there to peg out the other guy. Yeah, like, that's you know, that's it, real edge, Casey, though. I can understand but, the guy's point. I hate I would yeah. hate to be in your shoes and have to decide, well, does the tie go to the runner here? Because there's just enough that you kind of have to and not feel great about it. Yeah, but I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's a Robert Milliken and a Robert Mulliken who both won <laughs> Nobel Prizes in different scientific fields. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it sounds like you needed a Robert Mulligan on the whole damn question, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, for me, in that specific case, uh, if it was my mistake, like if I had, if I had mistyped something, it, that would in- instantaneously, I would be on their side, especially if there was a Robert Milliken that did win a, a Nobel Prize in physics. I'd be like, you're right. I got you. That's not what I was looking for. But you're getting points for that, you know, but nobody else who said physics on that would get it, get points. You know, just that one person who brought it up. And I and I agree 100 percent because he had the knowledge. He knew what he was talking about. And, you know, it would be a crappy way to lose a point. And I think, you know, and and that's one thing I'll say this. if People are out there who host trivia. uh, One of the things that I really can't stand is the mantra of, well, I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm looking for the answer I have on my paper. Bullshit, yeah. you should be looking for the right answer. And everybody makes mistakes, and if you made a mistake in a question, then it's okay, you know, like you can apologize for it, do it your best to correct it, and do what's fair and best for most teams, and, you know, try and not make the same mistake again, you know, but it's going to happen. Like, they have mistakes on Jeopardy. Like, it, it mm-hmm. just, you know, like, it, it happens. You, you take your lumps, you do what you can in the moment, and move on. Can I... Can I tell you a story about the one science question that has kind of haunted me for years and years? It's, I hope, hilarious because it annoys the hell out of me. So maybe you'll get a laugh out of it. Go for it. I was going to say that silence indicates that I have the floor. So might as well. Right. (laughs) So this is back in, I want to say, 2013. I asked this question as part of my normal geography and science round. This is at a location in Berwyn, Illinois, where... (laughs) <laughs> I get two types of people in the crowd. I get, you know, just rowdy pop culture fun people. And then uh, occasionally I get some diehard kind of trivia nerds, including former Jeopardy players, et cetera, et cetera. In any event, I asked this question verbatim. And this was early in my career, so it was kind of short, didn't have a whole lot of meat on the bones. And I didn't think there was a whole lot of argument to it. But the question was, on the periodic table of elements, what metallic element is lightest? And you guys can tell me, where does where does your head go to first? Lithium, right? Yeah, lithium being one of the the uh, was the, the alkali metals. Is that an alkali earth metal? I think. It's uh, yeah, it group, should right? be. It's yeah. all the way on the left. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's the third damn element on the periodic table. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm on even ground here. I had a team put hydrogen. And, you know, I got the answer. I'm like, no, unfortunately, it's incorrect. They pulled up an article from like a year or two earlier that some uh, theoretical research was currently being done at CERN or a CERN like lab about how under absolutely absurd temperature and pressure, it's possible that there is a form of hydrogen that exists that contains metallic properties. And I'm like, okay, no, 
Because if you have to go to the theoretical end of the spectrum to even defend the possibility of your answer, I'm I'm not going to have that fight with you. Anyway, fast forward four years and I get a message through my company's Facebook page. And all it is is a headline. And the headline talks about how scientists have synthesized metallic goddamn hydrogen. This team held that question as a grudge for four years. <laughs> so my response was, you get the point. <laughs> do, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Well, now let me remind you, by the way, the one live game I saw of yours, I don't know if you remember this, but. Oh, I remember it twice. So go ahead. <laughs> you, you asked a periodic table question and. And your question was, uh, what is the only letter that does not appear on the periodic table? And I think I went up to you yes, right away. Yes, okay. Said, yep, you did. I said, I said, I said, I said, by the way, I said, I don't know when you wrote this question. I said, but technically right now there are two. There was at one point only one, but you mm -hmm. know, one of the like there used to be an element that hadn't been named. And as a placeholder, you know, had all you had all those elements that were you, whatever. One of them was ununquium, which was U N U N Q U I U M. But that yep. ununquium has since been given a name, and so the Q is gone. And so now, so there's no um, J and there's no Q on the element. Uh, but you know, if you're uh, if you uh, yep, I definitely remember that. Fortunately, yeah. it's one of those situations where it's more inclusive than exclusive as a problematic question. It's like, OK, if you gave J, J's not on the periodic table. You've got a strong argument. That's the one I had on the card. If you gave Q, Q's no longer on the periodic table. You have a strong argument. I can easily accept two different answers on this and sure, say, exactly. eh, what are you going to do? But it's it just it's one of those things like, you know, uh, especially when you're writing in a in a technical field, right? There's always mm -hmm. a chance there's going to be there every time. That's why I don't like to ask like biology or medical questions. There's almost always a, somebody who's playing who's a doctor in the medical field. And unless I ask something really basic, it's, you know, there's so much of a chance I'm going to screw it up. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I really want to get to, to Jeremy's horror stories. But before I forget, you just encouraged one more in my mind. It's going to be very quick. I uh, this is probably six years ago, had a question. And at the crux of the question was, what is the element or what is the name of the chemical in your skin that reacts ultraviolet radiation and produces pigment? You know, it's it's melanin, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pretty simple question. I had a woman, she was like three glasses of wine into her night at that point, uh, who had put melatonin. And I said, no, that's a different chemical. I can't even give it to you, you know, on, you know, a spelling or phonetic thing because it is a very distinct, very well-known chemical found in the human body that has a purpose. She fought me for 25 minutes with the defense. I'm a I'm a cosmetologist. I should know this. <laughs> and I yeah, agree. You should. She should. <laughs> Yeah, I, my my favorite somebody arguing with me once, and this is I've been doing trivia now for uh, twelve years, thirteen years. That's a long time. Um, and this is one of uh, this is about a year into me hosting trivia, and I asked the question, uh, nothing to do with science or nature, but it was uh, how many 
state capitals, uh, or no, I, I said there are four alliterative state capitals. Name them. So states whose capital city starts with the same letter as the state that it's in. And so I gave the answers. They were Honolulu, Hawaii, Indianapolis, Indiana, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Dover, Delaware. Those are the four answers. I had this woman come up and, you know, it was a bar. She'd been drinking. She's a little drunk. Uh, she wasn't like wasted by any stretch, but she clearly had been drinking. And she was just incredulous that one, I did not have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, she was just mad. And I, I, I looked at her. And I said, so, well, first of all, I said, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, technically, it's really not alliterative because Philadelphia is the F sound and Pennsylvania is the P sound. And even though they start with the same letter, uh, you know, you're alliterative, you really should have the same sound. I, I believe that's the way it works anyway. But I even love so, how that's your first I, argument I, in this. I said, well, I, I said, yeah. And then I, and then I said, and, and I said, even if that doesn't do it for you, it's probably better if you actually put the real capital of Pennsylvania, which is not <laughs> Philadelphia. She just looked at me and she said, it is so, and I said, "Yeah, I'll tell you what. You look it up on your phone, and if you can find on your phone where Philadelphia is currently the capital of Pennsylvania, I will gladly award you that point." And until <laughs> uh, then, I'm sorry, no points for you. But yeah, I was like, "All right, you can't really argue that if you don't know what you're talking about." But sometimes people do. Yeah, it takes all kinds sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Goodson, horror stories. What do you got? Uh, in science and nature, other than kind of what you guys have already touched on, people like arguing semantics of the question. I, I like a quote you threw up earlier that was, if you know enough to correct me, you know the answer I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I haven't really run into a lot of uh, arguments on the science side, though. Um, other than somebody being completely wrong. I don't remember the exact thing. It was one of the um, spelling questions I was just talking about, the periodic spelling ones. They had another word but they had the wrong element. Um, so it spelled a word and they were swearing they were right. And mm. um, I want to say it might've been silver. So obviously looking for AG. Right. And um, they had like SI or something. And when they put the, you know, unscrambled the words, it spelled something still. <laughs> okay. Like, but that's not silver. <laughs> so I have a, I have a good, if you know enough to correct me story that ended in, in good fun. Um, a lot of times in the first round of my game, I'll throw a really easy question or one that nobody can get wrong by design just to kind of, you know, welcome to the game, have some points. Right. So one of the questions that I asked was um, in 2006, the international astronomical union redefined the term planet, which sadly meant that Pluto was no longer considered a planet. Instead of a planet, Pluto is currently considered to be which of these objects? An ice dwarf, a plutoid, a dwarf planet, or a trans-Neptunian object? And the joke here was that this was really early in the game, and it seems like a really hard <laughs> question, but all four of those are correct. There is no way to get wrong points. No way. And I had three different people, three different people come up and argue semantics over, wait, but it, which one are you looking for? I'm like, that's the point. Like, that's the joke. The joke is everybody gets points 
just write one of the things down, bring it up to me. The end. But yeah, it sounds I, I, like they were in that <laughs> uncanny valley where they were smart enough to know that more than one answer existed, but not smart enough to know that all four answers were correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was exactly what happened. And kind of be exactly on the same happened. wavelength as you. Yeah. And I, have I like to, that, though. I have to shout out my good friend, John, who plays at my games. John Zydemo, what's up, bud? Uh, he always comes up and playfully um actuallys me. Like in a fun, goofy way. Like he's not he's not nitpicking or anything because he mm. abides by the he knows enough to know what I'm looking for rule. But he came up uh, he came up on that one and just kind of looked me in the face <laughs> and just turned around like he didn't even need to. He saw four other people come up and yell at me already. He's like, "All right, guys." Is he is he the kind <laughs> of guy that will throw a parenthetical like I'm going to push the glasses up and show I'm smarter than the rest of them? That is follow up. Like that answer is, or technical point or something <laughs> at the end of, well, obviously you're looking for this, but I'm going to show off a little bit. And it's a little conversation I'm going to have with you, the host. That is exactly I've noticed that what that happens in science and nature questions more than any other general topic. Yeah. John, John literally walks up and mimes pushing glasses up his nose and goes, um, actually, and then, <laughs> and then tells me some cool scientific fact that I get to use in later questions. But um, but no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, because of, I think it has to do with just the specificity of sciences in general, and considering that there are so many different uh, fields of study and different things that that you can be well versed in, but not know. Like science, because it's such a big umbrella topic, you can be really, really into geology and know everything about geology and not know anything about fish. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you might, uh, you know, so you could be that I'm actually guy on, on questions about rocks, but not about fish. And because it's such a wide category, it, it, it opens up the possibility of people that know their shit in one specific facet of science and that opens you, especially with um, science being such a precise, uh, a precise subject itself. Like they, they look for precision. They look for, they look for knowing things exactly, the exactitude. Yeah, I yeah, know you got it. You gotta, you've got to word things correctly. Otherwise, you're in for uh, a world of hurt from some folk. Yeah, and and please get yourself recent sources for stuff. Yeah. yeah, very importantly, especially in fields where, you know, the, the goalposts are moving a lot like astronomy. Key point, you know, uh, chemistry and physics, as long as you're not getting into theoretical like astrophysics, you're probably OK in biology. For the most part, you're fine. But, um, you know, things like animals entering and leaving the endangered species list is subject to change over the years. Uh, things in astronomy, you know, constantly get kind of pinned down and redefined and things like that. So it, if I had to give one piece of advice to anybody who is going to make the necessary but sometimes terrible mistake of asking a bunch of science questions at a trivia night, uh, just check the dates on any sources that you use. Yeah, that's solid advice for any trivia writing, but doubly so for science, especially in the fields yeah. that you mentioned. I think it goes like sports and then science and then some entertainment stuff like history yeah. and literature. You're fine. Eh, sports and especially science. Double check your sources for. Yeah. For accuracy. Cause, and because every now and then somebody precision. might turn hydrogen into metal. Right. And then, <laughs> and then four years ago, you're an asshole, I guess. Oh, 
<laughs> People wonder why I drink. This is why I drink. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we're good talking about science. Should we write a question that possibly has nothing to do with science? Yay, questions. Yeah, let's get into the keyword challenge. Jeremy, this is going to be new for you, but I'll give you a quick 10-second uh, explainer on how this works. We are going to pull a keyword suggested at random by one of our friends, one of our listeners, somebody in the trivia world who wanted to hear uh, several questions written on the cuff about one specific topic. We're going to reveal that topic, and then we're going to take 10 minutes in real time to each come up with the best possible question that we can put together that has something to do with that keyword. And then ultimately we throw it to the listeners to vote every week on who wrote their favorite question of the week. So does that sound something like your game for? Sure. Cool, because we're doing it whether or not you want to at this point. <laughs> it's, we're 15 episodes in. It's kind of locked in. So without further ado, gentlemen from Earl Baum in Westchester, Illinois, our keyword for this week is geocaching. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that's spicy. I'm intrigued to see where we can take this. I'll tell you that right now. That's I a spicy have one. No foofin' idea how I'm going to pull an interesting <laughs> question from the topic of geocaching, but that's not to say that you can't. I guess we're going to find out collectively when we come back on the other side of this break. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you, you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. All right, and we are back back from writing the questions for this week's keyword challenge again a big thank you to earl Baum from westchester illinois for supplying this week's question his week's his name keyword. is earl right his <laughs> name is earl okay <laughs> um this week's uh keyword is geocaching and uh we all took some time to write a question about that so i will kick us off here um with mine and that is Letterboxing is a 160-year-old game which used clues and references to certain landmarks. Players would use these clues to locate letters left by others, add to them, and replace the box for someone else to find in the future. A modern take on this idea uses GPS, internet message boards, smartphone apps, and occasional run-ins with the law. <laughs> what is the outdoor recreational activity better known as today? Oh, I know this one. I'm like 90% <laughs> sure I know this one, man. It's 15 episodes why. in, and that joke never gets less fun. But you know what? Hey, hey, Jeremy is our guest today. So, Jeremy, if you want to answer Jeremy's question redundantly on top of redundantly, by all means, do so. Uh, I believe that would be geocaching or geocache, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Corey if pipes in the chat, I know this one. <laughs> and I believe that comes from the uh, the Greek for Earth and the something for caching. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I like it. I mean, it, it does what you need it to for a question that has to be about geocaching outside of the context of knowing that this question had to be about geocaching to fit the theme. I think it's pretty solid. It would fit in like a around for historical hobbies. OK, I like that actually would be a good hmm. theme to throw this into or maybe something about, um, you know, things that they did in the past that we do analogs of today. I wouldn't know how to better phrase that. But um, as I look back on it, there isn't a 
there isn't a whole lot of unnecessary meat on the bones of the wording and what you have in there, I think is both interesting and well-worded. And I, it's a, damn it, it's a good question, Jeremy. And I have to be proud of you for once. <laughs> for once. Ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Give gonna, me something to work with. <laughs> I'm going to throw it over to- And I'll uh, paint a different emotional palette. So I'm just going to throw it over to Jeremy Common to uh, blow my question out of the water. Alright, well, all right, so I took it a different route, and uh, I used geocache in the question as opposed to for the answer, so you'll have to think a little bit on this one. Uh, but here is my question. In 2014, the word geocache was added to the official Scrabble Players Dictionary after a public vote where fans of the activity swarmed the company's Facebook page to support their hobby, much to the dismay of competitive Scrabble players. What three-letter <laughs> word that is worth 12 points without bonuses or blanks did Geocache beat in the finals of that contest? The three-letter word is still not acceptable in Scrabble play. So, oh. There you go. It's a three-letter word worth 12 points? Yes. Okay, so let's, yeah, let's let's theory this one out a little bit. So the the Z and the Q are worth 10 so I don't think it's going to be either of those. You get to the J and the X, which are worth eight. But those are hard to build a three-letter word around. Uh, K is the only five-point letter. So you're probably looking at like a series of four-point yeah. tiles. And that's going to get you to P's and, and W's D. and V's and D's things four, of that right? nature. D, I think, is two. No, no, no. That's two. Two. Dude, two. So, so they did allow this in the competition, but it's not Scrabble legal. So, it, they, they, what they did was they updated the Scrabble dictionary in 2014, right? And they did, for for publicity, they took 16 words that didn't make the cut, and they had people vote in a like in like a March Madness type poll. So, mm -hmm. like, hangry was one of those words. Nowish, retweet, booyah, luckbox. Life hack, adorbs, cosplay, like oh, geocache. Okay. So it'll be a yeah. geocache beat Bitcoin, and it beat cosplay, and it beat ew ew, which ew has actually now been added to the dictionary, so that's good now. Okay, uh, th that was what it beat in the first round, the second round, and the semifinals. And when it got to the finals, it beat another word, um, which I have not mentioned yet. It was a three-letter word. <laughs> And it is worth 12 points. And I'm even going to, I'm going to amend the question. I'm going to say it's worth 12 points. Includes the letter E as in Edward. Okay, so that means that the other two have to equal 11. So you're looking at a 10 and a 1. Or, or a 5 and a 6. It could be a K. I don't I think, think there's, there's no any 6 point. There? I'm feeling no. like it's going to end in X. It's going to be something EX. And I'm vexed by it, but that's already in the dictionary, so that doesn't help us. This is, it's a good question. It's a hard question. There isn't, outside of the, the Scrabble vein, there isn't a whole lot of in here, but it's going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those questions where as soon as the answer pops in, we're going to slap our foreheads and go, how the hell did we not think about it? Because the best guess I have right now, and if the time was ticking down, I would say something like Docs. Like DOX, as in to reveal personal information about somebody but on the that, internet. Uh, include, that doesn't include an E. I know, getting, uh, which sucks. And D is only worth two. I think maybe it's Dex, but Dex, as in Pokedex. 
Why not? Yeah. But uh, but D is only worth two. So we're... Uh, D, I, I don't know for sure that D is only worth two. It's plausibly worth three. Sounds like something internet nerds would vote for as a word. Like, in the absence of having an answer, I like decks. Yeah. If I told you to free your mind, yeah. think about it some more, but just be one with the question. SWV? Am I missing, like, a weird 90s girl group reference? <laughs> no, that was in Vogue, wasn't it? Free your mind, that'd be like... Be one with the question. Just, you know, free your mind and, you know, be one with the question. Is Zen not a word in the Scrabble dictionary? It's not. Huh. I'll be sense. damned. I would have never thought that that yeah. wasn't Scrabble playable. It's considered proper. So it is. Okay. Not, yeah. Not, I, yeah. I can get that. But it feels like it's been sure. adopted so, enough at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. And, and it's good with, in words with friends, I think. But okay. so, yeah. So it came, the finals came down to Geocache versus Zen. Every competitive Scrabble player in the world wanted Zen. Oh, for sure. A three-letter Z word is far more valuable eight-letter word than an eight-letter Z's, <laughs> and you're never going to play. So, but but the 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 geocaching web community like literally flooded the Hasbro like Facebook page <laughs> and voted okay time after time. And geocache blew everything out of the water and got added to the dictionary. Yeah, all I was going to say is if there was some kind of real subtle reference like the one you gave us at the very end to get us to zen in that yeah, question that would just be a kind of a masterpiece style question yeah to me. yeah i think i think i think that does i think you're right i think i'll throw in the you know with the e and then uh you know something about um i don't know how to word it i guess but you know that's 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 what yeah. uh, something like this is for right that, and, that, that's uh, what 10 minutes will get you sometimes for sure what I think is most interesting about it is that we all fell into the same hole. We started looking at letters and their point values and trying to come up with a way to reach 12 with the letters. And none of us thought Zen because all of us incorrectly assumed that that was already a word. Like we didn't even, it didn't come up on our radars because it wasn't like, um, I, I personally was thinking of newer words or like uh, trendy words that wouldn't mm -hmm. already be. I never yeah. thought for a second because I'm like, okay, it's got to be a Q or a Z word that's three letters long. I can't think of anything that's not already in there. Zen didn't come up well, in I'll my head, you, you know. Maybe maybe throwing in that bit of it, like what word that many would be surprised to learn isn't acceptable in Scrabble even to this right. day. You know, yeah. So you're letting people know. Well, it is a word that you might already think is in the game, but it's not, um, you know, so. Now, now that I think yeah. about this more, I'm reminded I, I have appeared on an episode of uh, Andy Saunders Complete the List. Great podcast. Huge shout out to the guy. Uh, one of the love, categories love that, that I had to run in that episode was three letter Scrabble legal words that begin with the letter Z. And I don't recall if one of my opponents tried Zen or not. Now I'd have to go back and listen to the episode, but. I'm going to feel really stupid if they did. <laughs> and Andy went into this whole diatribe about how it's not Scrabble legal. And I was just trying to focus on whether or not Zop was a word. And I didn't pay attention. <laughs> uh, I think on that note, we should go to my terrible question that has nothing to do with Scrabble and yet somehow also has everything to do with geocaching in games. Take the discovery of new and hidden treasures of geocaching. Combine it with elements of MOBAs and capture the flag. 
bake it all into an augmented reality game playable on mobile phones. That's the recipe behind what 2013 debuting app, named for a word meaning entrance, and developed by the same company that brought the joyous summer of 2016 through the similar Pokemon Go. Yeah, it, uh, if I remember correctly, the I don't remember. Oh, God, it's going to really piss me off because I know <laughs> the name of this game. It, it it basically, you got points by going around and marking landmark type things. Uh, and then the same company used that previous data to build where to put stuff in Pokemon Go. And I can't. Oh, God, it's going to make me crazy. <laughs> That's that's a bit minimalist, but an exactly correct description of the situation going on. So so all I know is that besides Pokemon Go and Harry Potter, the only other game I know by that company is a game called Ingress. And I don't know. No, that's it. That's it. OK. Yeah, that's I don't the know one. what it... that game is, so I don't know if that's the right answer. But it's the only other game I know by. It's like Nintech or Nantech mm-hmm. or something like that is the company. Yeah. Well, let me uh, ask you, Jeremy, what does the word ingress mean? Uh, It means Um, whatever you just said in your question, because you're absolutely right. It is (laughs) ingress. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Niantic Labs, a division of uh, Google that kind of came about to develop interesting Android based software, came up with the idea of of baking an augmented reality game in. Uh, I played it religiously and fanatically for about two years and then realized that I was spending hundreds of dollars in gas on a free game. And that's not a good model for my market. <laughs> yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I got out of it, too, was just like I was filling up my car three or four times a week. Minimum, you can only get stopped uh, and questioned by the police so many times for being at weird water towers at three in the morning opposite Statesville before you realize you need a better hobby. Yeah, that seems weird. <laughs> it was a lot of fun uh and the, i mean there was like a, there's a huge uh community behind it they do a lot of uh like community events and like you'll throw like giant um like layers of fields over things like by connecting all these different portals and there's like worldwide like people will like come back from england with portal keys and you will work with people throughout the rest of the country to clear away like clear like all these portals and links that are in the way so you can throw yours from chicago to england or california to england for 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 one hour and it's a six-month operation yeah it's there is a crazy like in output variants going on in ingress and it was it was novel as hell which is why i think i fell into it so hard but then once you realize okay i'm just going around and tapping my phone near this statue and then they made pokemon go and we all had fun for like two months and then a person made a terrible mom joke and that is pretty much why we're in the darkest timeline (laughs) (laughs) uh jeff what do you have for us Okay, I I also tried to get away from the the topic itself and used it in the in the the question itself. But here's here's my ask. I hope this isn't too long. <laughs> it's not exactly geocaching because GPS wasn't a thing yet. But in what film does a character follow these directions to find a hidden container? Go to Buxton, Maine. Search for a hayfield that features a long rock wall with an oak tree at the north end that looks like it's from a Robert Frost poem. Near the tree, under a <laughs> piece of volcanic glass, something is buried. <laughs> uh, I love it. It's a great movie. So I, 
I love you for asking this, you beautiful bastard. I, (laughs) as soon as you said, in what film does a character follow these directions? I was already typing in our behind the scenes chat. I'm like, are you going to make me say the name of this film? (laughs) Well, somebody's got to say it. Uh, Jeremy, gee, you are notoriously bad at picking up our pop culture references. Do you know this one? Well, he just said, have you been Shawshank? So that kind of gave me the uh, the end to Shawshank Redemption. So that's that a correct. no from yeah. your dog. Fair enough. Yeah, best best movie of all time. Yeah, and I actually did know. I did know this one, though. <laughs> uh, I did. I love the Shawshank Redemption. It, it's a phenomenal film. I, I In fact, um, you know, like when you're when you're at home and you're flipping through channels, just looking for something to watch mm-hmm. and you end up getting like a movie that you're like oh my god now i have to sit here and watch this whole thing because this movie is so great right <laughs> so I i've have done now, that more than once with shawshank well well so so i i now refer to that phenomena as getting shawshanked yeah because that's the movie that like was the first movie where i was like okay I can't, if you stumble I, across now, it and you I have nothing across, else to do that's I'm what you're doing i'm just gonna sit here now for the next two hours and watch shawshank redemption so and it, it is long too it it's like two hours 40 it's, it's a great movie. It's worth every second of it. Oh, absolutely. I I wish I could come up with a, a fun pun for the Shawshank Redemption, but it's too good to, to mock, frankly. <laughs> my, it's interesting that this actually came up. And my way to getting to Shawshank was backwards because literally a few hours ago, I rewatched Dark Knight Rises. And at the end of that movie... Spoiler alert. Actually, I won't get into the spoilers, but go see Dark Knight Rises. Come on, if you haven't already. Uh, Somebody geocaches the Batcave. And so I was going to talk about that. And I'm like, well, there's no, there's, you know, you remember that it's the final cut of the, or the final shot of the thing is the, he swings into the Batcave and walks and gets lifted up on the, on the platform as it rises and he's using the GPS. It's, you know, he gets the, you know, without getting into spoilers. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I could do something with that, but there's nothing really interesting about, you know, I could say what movie's finale ended with somebody geocaching the Batcave. That's not a good question. And so I started thinking of other people that might've done something similar to that. And of course I Shawshanked myself thinking about one of my favorite movies. I'll tell you that Batman one could work if you just asked, you know, like, uh, you know, a character in a. I mean, you got to be vague with it, right? You yeah. Know? What was the who? What was the name of the character? Do we was it? It was John John Blake. Yeah. So, but that's because he doesn't like his first John, name. Character, yeah. yeah, exactly. A character named John Blake, you know, in a blockbuster film from X year, uh, was geocaching and stumbled upon what fictional location first seen in 1939 or whatever. Yeah, and then no, the that's definitely the a good way to game, go, right? So, but I think that that could be a lot of fun, actually. So, now, Jeff, can I ask you real quick where you sourced the directions from? Because I fortunately saw the Shawshank Redemption for the umpteenth time uh, about two months ago, and I swear that part of those instructions that Morgan Freeman um, dictates at the end say look for a rock that clearly doesn't belong or something yeah, very similar to that. So he, did you paraphrase him or did you pull him I maybe did from paraphrase. the book? I did paraphrase. The 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 full quote uh, without all the stopping and starting includes the phrase, 
near the oak tree in the rock wall, you'll find a, a rock that has no earthly business in a, That's in a hay is, field yeah. in Maine. And he talks about a piece of volcanic glass because there's no volcanoes in Maine. Right. Okay. So I guess that would, you know, me remembering that is my Shawshank yeah. Redemption redemption. <laughs> hey, there you go. You got your pun. You did it. And that's how that's how you get out of a uh, a, a, a section. Hey, Jeremy <laughs> G, the person who knows the answer to this, where do people vote for their favorite question of the week? Uh, they can go to www.quadriviapodcast.com where there will be a link uh, to vote on this week's keyword challenge. That sounds like a great website now featuring other things that Corey apparently built in. Like pictures <laughs> of his face on a sticker that is now on a meme. I didn't say it was good content. I said it was more content. <laughs> All right, so we talked about geocaching, which has some elements of geography and science to it intrinsically. I do 10 geography and science questions every week at my classic uh, trivia games. Do you guys want to hear what I quickly pulled together as what might be some of my top 10 science questions of all time? I would love that. I really hate that I'm calling it that because I'm pretty sure if you gave me 100 more hours, I would find probably 50 better questions. But the important thing is I found these quickly. And I like them all. So I figure uh, with this, you guys can kind of play as a team. We'll do one question, give you guys a couple moments to think it over and then uh, shoot the answer. And you guys can judge the good, the bad, the ugly in the round. There is no overarching theme, except for these are all questions that I have written to fill gaps in a science-based round. So there's going to be things that are hard sciences. There's going to be technology questions, uh, even math questions in there, because I kind of, as you alluded to at the very beginning of the episode, Jeff, those all kind of fall under the overarching umbrella of science. And with that said, you guys are ready. We'll go in uh, starting with question one. What zoological term, which in slang means something completely different, could alternately be titled a Bactrian phalanx? Um... Is he talking about a camel toe? <laughs> oh, God. I, oh, yes, he is. <laughs> I got there from Bactrian camel, and I'm like, wait, a camel hump? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Two, two primary types of camel are the Bactrian and the dromedary, and a phalanx is a term for your toe. Uh, yeah, I think I think I wrote this question a couple of years ago to challenge myself into writing a dirty sounding science question. <laughs> that does it. Yeah, that'll and do it. Yeah, it, you, yeah. No, it definitely covers that base. <laughs> and I remember doing this live at a show or two and just you could see when teams figured out that they were on the same wavelength as me. Because originally it was like, he wouldn't do this, would he? And they'd go back to the wording, Bactrian phalanx, and they'd try to think of one or two other ways that you can interpret that. And as soon as they're like, no, it has to be this, like the vibe on their team changed. And they looked at me and I almost got that like subconscious thumbs up of, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, it's so, funny, I didn't yeah. catch it at first, but I, I remember you, I, you asked us at one of your shows uh, that I was hosting for you while you were out of town. And like I didn't. Catch oh, so it you've had you the joy of the drop on camel toe then? Oh yeah, uh, it was it was great because as the teams were getting it, like the slow laugh was going through the room, <laughs> right? And they're and, trying really hard not to because they don't want to tip off somebody else who isn't there yet, but they can't help it because it's so stupid and childish and beautifully wrapped in what is ostensibly a legitimate trivia question. Yeah, you know I don't know about like so. Here's a question for you. Did a woman ever write that question? 
you know, that's, I mean, a, I that's a fair question. Yeah, like, like the I, I, I don't think about it in that sense. Is full of testosterone, right? So I've tried, to, I've tried to, I don't know that that, that question is problematic. It's, but it's, it's, it is, if it's a dirty trivia night, it's definitely a fair game. Um, you know, and it's, and it's funny, you know, but it, there's definitely also an element of kind of potty, right? Which, you know, potty humor yeah, can be okay. funny. And, and I would hope that, that people, especially people who have, who have kind of familiar with my personality and everything would kind of take it as a, a tongue in cheek. Oh, I see what he did there. Okay. And then obviously yeah. we move on. But I, I do see and I concede your point. This is not a question for every venue and for every audience and even something that, like you said, a lot of hosts wouldn't even consider writing. So let's get sure. something drier for question <laughs> two in computer science. God. <laughs> what measure of a computer's processing capability sounds like a term you might hear used to derisively describe what an unscrupulous soccer player might do? Oh, I know this. I know this down. one. Yeah. I'm, I'm a computer geek, so I got it right away. Yeah. Uh, unscrupulous soccer players use their hands, like take a dive. Um, th th Think more towards take a dive, but what is, what's that called? Yeah. When they Thinking, like, falling, when, when they, acting. when they grab their, yeah, when they grab their leg and go, ah, ah, like they just got like run into when the guy didn't even touch them. Uh, you know the other I, term for I that? Don't, I that would, uh, don't, be because the... I don't follow soccer enough. I should. Okay. If so, I hear it, I'll know it. Isn't James Harden notable for this too, or am I thinking of some other whiny NBA yeah, player? If you, if you take the computer Just side diving. of this and uh, try to figure out what uh, what fits into that from the computer side, you get a flop. Uh, floating floating point operations per second. Yep, that is that's indeed the uh, the measure that I was looking for. Flops, as you said, floating point ops per second, and is used basically to measure how quickly a computer can process. Just a uh, simple input output. Stuff. Yeah, I should have known that. It's late. I'm gonna blame that on being tired. <laughs> that's probably it. that's probably not the reason, but I'm gonna blame it on that. <laughs> well, we'll see if I have a better audience for question three than I tend to have at my live shows, where one of the long-standing mantras is, and I quote, "Fuck Jay's math." Here's question three: In math, what operation or function would you perform if you came across a symbol known properly as an obelisk? It might, for the record, also be pronounced obelis. I am not certain on that. Is, um, I, I'm getting too confused here. Um, oh God, I think it's the division symbol, but it could be the multi multiplication symbol. I think it's just asterisk, though. Yeah, I was going to say I, that that's the one that popped to mind for me just because the list of operations is fairly short unless you get into some pretty serious craziness. Um, but I mean, addition, subtraction, those are, you know, plus sign minus, uh, and then you have, yeah, it, it's, it's almost gotta be, it's gotta be division just because I can't think, well, I shouldn't say that it has to be, but I can't think of another mathematical symbol of operation that I don't, uh, you know, I can't think of a proper name for its symbol. That's my vote. Yeah, uh, do you have that. anything to add to that, Jeremy? I, I'm uh, like, so that's where I'm leaning, but I don't have as much thunder on it as I'd like. I'm going to go ahead and take that as a no. Uh, but you should feel pretty joyous for getting that right, Jeremy. It is, in fact, uh, division. Joy division. 
All right, so hopefully you guys are feeling pretty good so far. You're three for three as a team. Let's see if we can stump you just a little bit with question four. And full disclosure, I don't love the wording on this one, but fair is fair. And I presented this at a live show, so I will present it uh, the same way for you. And here it is. Tell me the pair of baby teeth that typically emerge first in an infant by their two word location and type of tooth. Uh, so I don't really. I mean, it's going to be what front? Uh, it's isn't it usually the like the the front. So it's got to be front something. Yeah, it's the um, top. The top two front teeth. Is that the incisors? So that would be yeah. It's just a, yeah. Those are incisors. So it's a question of what is the terminology to get the answer correct? Because we're in the ballpark. I think it's frontal so incisors. I feel lower like I've heard is this before. it upper incisors? But isn't it, don't you have to specify well, lower upper? Yeah, it's yeah, lower. I think it's upper ones. and. I think it's lower. lower. I don't think okay. it's, yeah, I think it's lower. Um, and I don't know if you need to say front or center. Oh or no, no, like yeah, that, you're right. I think it's lower. I think it's lower incisor sounds right. Yeah, I'm not I, I, really I'd up on my dental incisors. terms. Yeah, yeah, you definitely got there uh, eventually for sure. It is the lower incisors I was looking for. Those two little opposite of the buck teeth that um, are adorable until they bite down on your damn thumb. <laughs> Source. I've had it happen with two kids. Um, I don't feel as bad about your thumb. I feel much worse about your wife. Um. <laughs> you know, we tried to have one question that didn't offend our female audience, Jeremy. Thank you. I'm, I'm just saying, uh, I remember hearing the stories from on my side here, too. So, All right, let's see if we can get somewhere with question five. I still haven't stumped you yet. I made you think a little bit on one or two of yeah. them. But uh, question five here, what metallic element on the periodic table gets its name from one of the largest islands in the Mediterranean hydrogen. Sea. Final answer. <laughs> Metallic hydrogen. <laughs> Eat all the dicks, Jeff. <laughs> um, actually, I, I got to think about this one a bit. Uh, you guys well, go ahead. Largest, well, largest islands in the Mediterranean Sea, you got Sicily. Uh, so is there a, isn't there like a, there's a psyllium or something like that, but... Um, yeah, you got Crete, uh, you got Malta, um, I don't know, Cyprus, I don't know if that's, well, that's multiple islands. Uh, I mean, Sicily is the largest. Yeah. Okay. Sardinia and Cyprus are probably up there. Um, well, if we know Sicily is the largest, what uh, element is named after Sicily? Sicilium. You're breaking my heart. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Would it just be Silver. I mean, elements named after places. You have Nihonium is for Japan, Germanium for Germany, Francium and Gallium for France, Polonium for Poland. Um, there's a couple like Yttrium, Yttrium named after places in Sweden. Uh, there's there are a couple uh, named after oh uh, there are a couple named after Greek places. Um, Shit, I'm trying to remember what they are. I just had a question a about gallium, one a couple weeks ago. Maybe, or... Uh, did you say Valium or Thallium? Oh, I said Gallium. Gallium. Well, Gallium is named after France. It's Oh, that's right, Gaul. that's right. I, I do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's Tennessee, California. Yeah, Valium's named after my hand. <laughs> um, oh, you know what it is? Copper is named after Cyprus. Hey, I did a there thing. <laughs> And I mean, Cyprus isn't as big as Sicily, but it's definitely got to be either the second or third biggest. And he didn't say the biggest. He just said one of the biggest. So yeah, it's got to be. It's copper. Sure. Yep. 
getting its uh, name from the late Latin for cuprum, which comes from the Latin for cyprium, which means metal from Cyprus. That is, in fact, copper. And the reason for the record that copper's uh, symbol on the periodic table is CU. All right. Your story. I didn't say it was interesting. I said it was correct. <laughs> All right, you guys are halfway through. That one at least had a chance to pass you. Let's see how you do on this one, which is, this is one of my favorite uh, science questions of all time, only because it takes like a meta understanding of science to get it. And let me throw it at you. Question six, pressure is often measured in pounds per square inch. What property of a physical object could be measured in pounds per cubic inch? Well, I know uh, volume is uh, cubed. I'm good with volume. I got nothing on this, so, you know. I don't know if that's pounds per cubic inch, though. What would be... Um... It would be maybe internal pressure or some other... Because uh, uh, So, pressure... Is thickness almost, or not? That's not what I'm looking for. Density? That's I think that's what I'm looking for, like density, because that would yeah. be. I mean, something. It's a property of a physical object, because volume would be more of like what what it, what it can hold, and that's where the cube comes in. So I would think yeah. density would be how th- you know how thick and how hard it is. <laughs> can I get you to say that again? Just out as of context. As soon as he said it, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So is that what you guys are sticking uh, I'm, on? I'm, I'm still, you guys, whatever you think. I'm still, I'm still stuck on because I, I'm trying to think of the meta clue that you gave before the question proper. I'm trying to think of what we're missing that weren't that we're still unsure about it. Yeah, well, not to lead you too far down the garden path, but this isn't a question that has like a cut and dry. You look at it, and there's a Pavlovian connection in your brain to a science yeah. thing uh, kind of question. So it takes like a more global understanding of science. That's all I meant by that. So don't let it lead you too far astray. I, I want to go. I, I would just go if I had to guess at a show, I would guess density. Yeah, because that that would be kind of. Yeah, because that works. That works for me. Let me concede real quick. Two very important parts of this question. Number one, that word could is doing a whole lot of work in this sentence. And two, this really only works in the United States and on the planet Earth, because by definition, density, the physical project uh, property of an object, is mass divided by volume. And since on Earth, you can equate pounds to kilograms, you can arguably say that you can measure some, an object's density in pounds per cubic yeah. inch. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to say, and it's now, not density I will cons- because of this. <laughs> well... There's actually a second answer that I'd be forced to accept here, and that's because um, the analog for a fluid's density is specific gravity. So I would have accepted either of those. Now, it's late, so 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 take no offense to this, but any question that needs that kind of explanation for its answer, I don't like this question. <laughs> Fair. I. It's one of those that I wrote, and I feel like a really clever boy, and I at shows that I have used that question at uh, once or twice, haven't had significant pushback. I've had more looking at and going, oh, I see what you did there. So obviously uh, different audiences are going to vary on that because I'm pretty sure for every, oh, I see what you did there look, there's somebody who is just fighting the urge to say, well, weight isn't mass. So I concede, but I like it anyway. (laughs) All right. 
Question number seven coming through. Scientists have studied sloth sleep patterns in the wild. Seriously. Tell me, within two, how many hours a day do sloths sleep on average? Uh, I would that, say because within two, I would go 22 because I would say they're probably awake like an hour. And that would give us 20 to 24. Or is it like 18 and then we need to like go 20, so it's 20 to 22. Well, so is there any chance that sloths aren't as lazy as you think? That it's like less, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's still a good portion of the day, but I think that seems a little high. Like I might maybe go 16 and it's like 14 to 18. Uh, either 16 or 18 is what I was thinking, right? So go like 14 to 18 or 16 to 20 is the, you know, but yeah, I like 16. I mean, I like, I put 18 at the upper threshold of what I would think, but uh, I don't know. All right, let's go 16 then. Right. Yeah. Sure. I I would think that it's either really high or really low. And I think that, I I think sloths do sleep quite a bit, but I don't think, uh, I see, I'm getting, turned around backwards because I think we're, <laughs> we're considering them to be, I mean, I might be totally wrong, but we might just be missing the mark on it, thinking that because they move so slowly that they're asleep all the time when they could maybe not be sleeping and just be moving really slowly. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with that answer, but like if I had an extra... How low do you want to go? No, I'm not even saying let's go really low. I'm just saying uh, my immediate thoughts are to go like a normal amount, like maybe eight to 12 or like a super high amount, like 24. Like they're just always asleep. They're never awake. You know, uh, I would, you know, that's, that's just my immediate brain going. It's either lower than we think or higher than we think, because otherwise it's, it, it makes for a, a harder trivia get. At least that's just the way my, my brain immediately responded to the question, but I'm okay with, uh, 16 because that covers 14 to 18 and i think that that that's a good ask all right so 16 you guys you guys are good with 16 so jeff kind of stumbled on some stuff there real quick in his conversation there are when it comes to a question that has a number as an answer i have like a twofold mentality on those questions and one is the answer should be pretty obvious based on the wording and then people can get it with some margin of error for rounding or whatever. And that's fair game. Uh, the other direction to go is the surprise value of the answer. And I really personally like going that route. Sloths sleep on average 10 hours a day in and, the wild. Wow. Which is roughly 20 minutes shorter than I sleep <laughs> per day. And I suppose it has something to do with their metabolism being naturally so slow that they don't necessarily need a long rest cycle. Uh, to maintain their their homeostasis between day and night. Or it could just be that we don't know how the hell sloths work well yet. But yeah, just as a rule of thumb, if somebody asks you a question with a numeric answer, you should have two thoughts in mind. The first thing that comes into your mind and the opposite of that, because one of those is almost certainly going to be the right direction. Yeah, but what's the opposite of doing it all day? I don't know that that's 10. Oh, that's fair too. Well, um, I would I would have guessed I would yeah, have guessed just, eight. It was comparable to humans more than one yeah. would think. So I mean there's there's only a few animals that like don't sleep or sleep very little. Uh and I don't think it would be that. So my my immediate guess was either, yeah, like I said earlier, either as close to twenty four as we can get or an average normal amount. But 
like I said, I... And I chuckled lightly in my head when you said, oh, it's, you know, it could be something like eight to 12. I'm like, that is exactly the range that would have gotten you credit on yeah. this question. I, but that's, if I was, if I was in a bar setting with you two guys, I had zero thunder on that. That is, that's just my game theory mm-hmm. brain going, uh, this is, I have no actual scientific knowledge on this. The only thing I know about sloths is that sometimes they move so slow, they grow moss and that's why they're green. But <laughs> That's it. But some of you know me by now. I don't I don't hate an occasional equalizer to kind of bring the room up to the, um, you know, Fermilab people, for instance. <laughs> uh, question eight, as we shift over to anatomy, what part of the body found above the neck would be removed during a procedure known as a glossectomy? Uh, I have a, a little bit of I don't think it's thunder by any means, but I know that um Speaking in tongues is known as glossolalia, so I'm assuming that it would so have. Let's go with the tongue. Yeah, maybe okay. maybe tongue or maybe um, I, I don't think it'd be tonsils because that's tonsillectomy. I, I think you got to go tongue. I don't think there's uh, even a question now. Yeah, if, if you know that answer, like if you know that that's what that means, then yeah, I would say tongue. My guess was just going to be the uh, thyroid because that's removed in some people, but yeah, tongue. Yeah, that's generally known as a thyroidectomy for what it's worth. But I do really like a good question that has you try to find some kind of etymological connection, just exactly like Jeff did with the speaking in tongues thing. Yeah, glossectomy is the term for the removal of the tongue. If I went back and redid this question, I'm pretty sure that I would maybe put that speaking in tongues clue as a bit of a subtle in or find some other just kind of backdoor wink and a nod if you get this hint you see how this is a hint kind of confirmation baked into the question. Uh, otherwise, that one is just, it's its pretty vanilla, but it does, it's uncommon knowledge that is approachable from an outside context. So fair game there would be my argument for sure. Nice. Two to go. And so far you guys are, well, seven for eight with the exception of the equalizing uh, number question. Number nine in computers, what unit of information, which can represent zero, one, or a superposition of both, is pronounced the same way as another more ancient unit of measure. My mind immediately went to binary, but... Yeah, that's the only thing that came into my mind, but I don't know that that is right. Binary, they it, it's expressed in bits. So, and that's, it's either zero or one as a bit, right? Or am I, am I misstating that? Brain isn't functioning right now, but I, you're right, bits is... But... I, I don't I don't know if bits are superpositioned. I thought bits were either zero or one. It's it's binary. It literally can't be anything else. I mean, I could be just not knowing that it can be both. All right. So I think we might have stumped Jeff here. Do either of the Jeremys want to throw you know, a guess I, out? I'm binary or nothing for me. I mean, I yeah. don't I have anything better than that, and I got nothing that's getting me anywhere better. So. Well, what unit of information? That actually, the unit of information would be a bit. You're right, Jeff, because binary is what the like coding is called. You want to say bit instead of binary? Well, yeah, binary is binary is the language. It's just zero one. But bit is bit is a unit of computing that that it's either zero or one. But he said that this specific unit is zero or one or both or a superposition. And I am I can't. I can't say oh, for certain that a bit is does it cu- that. Is it cubit? Oh, that, oh yes. That's, that's it. it. Because that's the biblical that's, measurement yep, of that's life. The measurement. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it took me a second. It just clicked. That was, I'm like, 
Oh, wait, we're talking about bits. That'd be qubits. That was a heck of okay. a team-based aha moment that you guys had there. You had all the little pieces working together, and then just the, the switch flipped for Jeremy. You are absolutely right. That is a qubit, which is short for quantum bit. And Jeff was yeah. nibbling at it so hard when he was talking about superpositions and the uncertainty. And I'm like, that's 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 quantum stuff. Like, by definition, that's how quantum works. And then, um, unfortunately, I thought you guys abandoned the, the back half clue, which I think got more teams there than the front half clue. Because ancient units of measure, if you're hard pressed to think of one, uh, biblical units of measure are probably the first thing that come to mind. And then qubit is the first one of those that could come to mind, arguably enough. So it's a question of, well... Does that sound like something in computing, which was the harder part of the ask, I thought. And again, as, as a geek and techie, like, I'm reading this, and like, initially I see 0 and 1, I'm like, that's binary. Like, and that's why I went there. Like, 0 and 1 is binary. Um, but then I'm like, wait, that's the language. So he kept saying bit, I'm like, oh wait, unit of information, that is a bit. But then the superposition of both is where you dig deeper. Yeah, you got there for sure. I don't know that in my live games you would have gotten there yeah. in time, but you would have been real <laughs> on the edge there, I think. I think it would have been a moment where I was coming to check your answer and you wanted to grab the marker and feverishly write it down uh, before I saw it. It would have been it would have been a, uh, a tale of the tape. And number 10, guys, and once again in math, because I'm a jerk like that, what shape in geometry can be defined as the set of points whose distances to two other specific points add up to the same value? Math is hard. <laughs> Um, a couple things come to mind on this. Uh, I'll have to pick your brains because this is first, I think square because all the sides are equal. So the two points on one side would be the same as the two points on the other. Otherwise, like parallelogram. Um, as we're thinking, just shape, I'm just thinking of shapes and geometry here. Cause that's the two other specific points. I know that, um, I just had, I know we've talked about it in a recent episode of the podcast um or maybe it wasn't but i know i asked it in my game that um uh all squares are rectangles and Not all circles yeah but uh, the other version of that is that um circles are a special type of ellipse and i know that ellipses have something to do with like uh two different focuses and that might be the thing i because i i don't remember the exact wording of the scientific definition of an ellipse yeah, I have I have no thunder I have no thunder on this one whatsoever. Like I, the I'm just reading the question and it's making my head hurt because as we say the show. Unfortunately, it's the last fuck one. Math. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I I'm okay with ellipse or like I said square. It just comes to mind because every any two points in a square are going to be the same distance apart, no matter which way you go. You guys all going with square? That's what I'm going with. And I don't have a clue. I'm just you know the man has convinced me. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, you should have had more oh, thunder because lips. you were absolutely right. And you let Jeremy talk you out of it. Yeah. Uh, so in geometry, you can you can say that a circle is every point on a plane that is the exact same dif distance from the center. So if you have two centers, effectively, that is kind of by definition what an ellipse is. And that's why you can take like a piece of string and wrap it around two push pins on a drawing paper and then just run a pencil around the center and get a perfect ellipse every time because every point on that edge is the same summed distance from those two center points. That That is definitionally what makes it and, an ellipse. And I, 
Ugh, I knew that, and I didn't want to because I, I don't want to mispronounce uh, plural of focuses, which I think is foci. foci. Could be yeah. fuckai. I don't know. It's foci. I foci. Believe, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and like I could have swore that that was all I needed to know when I wrote that previous question is that all circles are ellipses. That's all I needed to know. And I'm like, I should know more about ellipses. And I read a little bit of it. And, yep, and you were you were damn right it, there. It, you teased it. it out. The only difference between a circle and an ellipse is that those two foci are the same foci in a yep, circle. And I was reading that question wrong. I was thinking like two points on a line and two points on another line. Or you can, you know, choose one point from each line. It's like, well, a square because every corner is going to be equal distance. And like, I yeah, no, you're absolutely right with ellipse, though. Like, uh, I should have talked you out of that. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. That's. Well, that's part of the team dynamic sometimes. Sometimes you guys collectively sort it out and everybody contributes and you have that big, beautiful moment like you had on Qubit. And then sometimes um, you say, it might be this, but I don't friggin' know. And then you kick yourself. And that's the joy of pub trivia to me. Uh, should we get on out of here? I know that people with names that start with J who live in Chicago are up very, very late right <laughs> now. It's all true stuff. So real quick, Jeremy, on behalf of the Quadrivia team, I do want to thank you for coming in on a very short and very unprepared notice to sit in and bullshit with us for an hour or two. I hope you enjoyed your experience. I did. I had fun. You know, who needs to prepare? I don't prepare for my regular shows. Why should I prepare <laughs> for your show? <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is we have a standard here at Quadrivia where we have to have a Jeremy. And if at some point I have to fire mine. There you go. We have we have a Jeremy in the pocket, and that's always a good place to be. <laughs> Wait a second. You can have a no Jeremy. So, Jeff. You'd be like the No Homers Club on The Simpsons. <laughs> it says No Homers, right? We're allowed to have one. All right, Jeff. Uh, speaking of people that have redundant names in our podcast uh, <laughs> listing here, do you want to take us out for the night? Sure, yeah. Uh, I've been Jeff with RMT Trivia. That's as in Riddle Me This. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, just by searching RMT Trivia. I'm Jeremy Cotman. I'm with Brain Bash Trivia. You can find me on Facebook or at BrainBashTrivia.com. It's been fun. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think you always have an invitation at this point. Uh, on behalf of Liquid Courage Entertainment, I'm Jason. You can find me on Twitch 9,000 times a week at <laughs> twitch.tv underscore or uh, slash liquid underscore courage and courage is spelled with the letter k which means i don't know how to search engine optimize anything i do online right now and uh jeremy uh, you can find me uh on twitter at jerwg and on twitch at uh twitch.tv slash lk jeremy and uh, you guys can find us at quadriviapod at gmail.com send us your keyword challenge send us uh, thoughts on the show uh anything like that shoot us a message uh find us on twitter at quadriviapod on Facebook at facebook.com slash quadriviapod or at quadriviapodcast.com where we have stuff that Corey put up and also the keyword challenge voting. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us tonight. Jeremy Comden, would you please take us out of here with the patented and famous Quadrivia outro saying? Uh, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
The obelisk is the symbol that kind of looks like a, a hyphen is in the middle of a threesome with the two dots of a colon. <clears throat> and a that coming after the question that is uh, less wet than a camel toe. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know who I am. <laughs> Just let me lean in.